And now the next question in the Shirt Lab answer series. Hello, everyone. This is Marshall Atkinson for Shirt Lab. Welcome to our podcast, the Shirt Lab Answer Series. Our goal with the show is to provide weekly answers to your toughest decorated apparel industry sales and marketing challenges. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get right to it. On today's Shirt Lab Answer Podcast, we're very happy to have our former Shirt Lab St. Louis host shop owner, Jonathan Tynes, with Kickprint on the show. JT does awesome work, and he has recently spent some time standardizing his shop's ink palette. We're going to chat with him on why he chose to do that and how it's helping his shop. But first, let's talk about the Shirt Lab event series. Shirt Lab has held events in Columbus, St. Louis, and recently in Washington, D.C., and they were all fantastic. On August the 3rd, we'll be in Portland, Oregon, and on September the 28th, we'll be in Atlanta. Portland is going to focus on new ideas for sales and marketing for your shop, but Atlanta will be solely focused on apparel line retail sales. So if you have a shop brand that you're trying to market, this is going to be a must-tend event. Learn more at shirtlabpro.com and get signed up. So Jonathan, welcome to the Shirt Lab. What's up, Marshall? How you doing, man? I'm rocking, dude. Everything's great. And uh, just came back from Shirt Lab, Washington, D.C., and it was fantastic. And uh, still just can't believe what amazing event we had. It was great. Well, I am super bummed about that because I got to go to, uh, well, I was at the St. Louis one. And all I did this whole past weekend was weep and cry and salivate over wanting to be at the Washington show. And, uh, dude, it looks like you guys really had some amazing content. So I'm, I'm super jealous, and I'm sure it was amazing. The, the St. Louis one was uh, life-changing. Um, I still go through my notes. Um, I was connected to some of the speakers and many of the other attendees there, made friends in the industry. It changed my viewpoint on the industry. Um, I kind of was felt like a lone wolf in the industry. And once I met a lot of guys that dealt with the same things I dealt with and, and we all collaborated, you know, we was able to, I was able to work with someone on an actual paid project from uh, shirt lab. And uh, it was, that was very rewarding. And uh, it's just been a phenomenal thing. The, uh, the some of the big takeaways that, that we had from the, that I had from the, uh, from the St. Louis one, uh, we are in the process of implementing now. And um, it's just been, it's been phenomenal, but I, I'm really, I really am bummed about the Washington one. And we may just have to find our way up into the, into uh, Portland, Oregon for the August the 3rd one. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Well, that's going to be great. So just picture this, it's going to be the middle of the summer and uh, you're going to be hot. It's going <laughs> to be 95 or hundred or whatever. And then Portland, Oregon will be 75. Oh, It'll my be gosh. such nice weather. And you know, they're known for their craft <laughs> beer, you know, some of the beer, the beer lover in me oh, is going to have a good time there. And just the, <laughs> the networking and the, like, and the people uh, and plus our speakers, you know, everybody just contributes to the day. And it, it just rocks. It's just an awesome event. And we're so happy that we're building our community and everything is kind of moving along just like we want. So, And, and you're a big part awesome. of that because you helped us with our St. Louis event. So. Big thank you Thanks. for that. It was too. an honor. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Awesome to hang out with, with you and Tom. You guys are, are legends. And there's a lot of people that were there that, uh, you know, I was, it, it was just a phenomenal event. It was the best event that I've been to in this industry, me personally. And so I think it was phenomenal, but absolutely. 
Cool. All right. Well, you get you ready for us uh, to to get going with the questions today? Yeah. Let's let's do it. Okay. So you've been posting on Facebook uh, pretty regular for the last couple of weeks about yeah. standardizing your ink palette, and uh, so that really kind of piques my interest with that. And so what I kind of wanted you to do is walk us through why you chose to do that, the process of elimination, how you did it, and then the impact that you're wanting to have with it. And do you feel it maybe right. it's too early to know, but are you really getting what you wanted to do out of it? No, it's, it's been a phenomenal impact. Now it is still early, but it's, if you, let's back up a little bit. Last summer, we realized that our color charts that we use, we have a local ink manufacturer here, not ink manufacturer, but they're a distributor and the ink is good. So I have no, I have no issues with any of really any of the ink manufacturers in the industry and their color palette. It's just that for us, we were finding like the color, the color chart that we have, it's like, it's got like six different blues. Now, not the one that we created, but uh, the companies uh, that was supplied from our ink manufacturer. There's, they had like light royal, royal, navy, dark navy, and then they had uh, reflex blue, sky blue, marine blue, and light blue. But they have no pinks, not a single pink. And then all of a sudden they came out with a pink, and it's like highlighter pink. And so it doesn't hit on like the charity ribbons. It didn't hit on like things that like, you know, like animal tongues. I know it's kind of a weird thing but you know or you know so you have a piece of artwork with someone's tongue sticking out there really wasn't any it was like mixing inks for really ridiculous things and so and as you know my entire art team is outsourced overseas so I have four full-time artists or sorry I have uh, two full-time and two part-time artists I have four artists that work for me and these guys it's been a huge struggle getting my art team to convey ink colors correctly because they're looking at a screen. They're not looking at the charts we're looking at. And then I got to think about it. I was like, man, if we send these charts, then we still have the pink problem and we don't have enough yellows and we don't have any splash tone colors and we don't have any of the brighter colors. And then since our business is actually half uh, powered by, by ladies, you know, we're 50-50 with guys and gals. My wife uh, works in the office and my wife was like, you know, we really don't have some, this is a very manly color chart. It's blues and greens and, but there's no like girl colors and no light colors. So what we decided to do is to build a color chart that basically would cover 80% of our jobs. We're kind of going off the 80, 20 rule here. And we got to looking at it and we're like, man, we're mixing Pantones for some of the most ridiculous things. Like, hey, we've got a uh, artwork here. It's a it's a puppy dog. The dog's got his tongue out. None of our colors are look like a tongue. So we're mixing up, you know, bubble gum pink or whatever. This was the kind of the thing that we got to look at. We're like, man, we're spending a lot of time on mixing mixing colors for no reason. And so we put our heads together last last year. Actually, we started it, and it was right before the busy season of summer hit. And so we had a little bit of time on our hands, and then all of a sudden, you know, the huge the huge summer uh, shirt wave hit and we never, we never finished it. It was like, you know, like halfway done. And so when I come back from shirt lab, my first thing that I was going to tackle was what was bottlenecks in our business that was causing me to spend time on things that were non-profitable, that were mindless. And it was just, and, I, and they boiled down to the color charts because a lot of times our artists, they're, uh, they're based in the Philippines and they're great artists, but they'll just make up colors you know, <laughs> it'd be like, you know, so it'd be like, 
hey, this, uh, so we'll get our work orders from them and they'll go on this film is, and it'll call out the correct stock colors. And then they'll just make up like uh, Kiwi green. So I'm like, I get, jump on chat and I go, yo, dude, uh, what is Kiwi green? Like, we don't know what that is. We don't have a Kiwi green. He goes, oh, I just made it up and figured you guys would mix something that was similar to a Kiwi. I was like, well, what is a Kiwi? Like the inside of Kiwi, the outside, you know, like what, what really is Kiwi green? And that kind of opened my mind to my artist was trying to find things that were similar to what the, the, the color they were trying to call out. And that's when we got the idea. So actually I, I used the color charts to create content on our Facebook. We would, I would go live and I would be, and do the engagement on my Facebook. I would go, what color is this? What do you think when you see it? And it'd be like 40 comments and people would be like, Oh, that's bandaid Brown. That is a uh, latte. That's buttercream. That is this and this. And so we actually used uh, my customers and our audience to help build our color chart. And dude, there's people that are like stoked that they got to name a color on our color chart, but it was really just market research having what, what did people think of when they saw that and whatever came to people's mind, that's that's what we chose and so uh the, the main reason for this was is the colors that's in the manufacturer's charts they don't match what is you know for example rust purple now maybe i'm an idiot but i don't even know what rust purple is what is rust and what is maybe that is something that's known and i just am am you know ignorant to that but i'm like what is what is rust purple you know so we we, we decided to choose things that were basic terms and basic items that can be related to so that when they think of it even if they even if the color they see on their screen isn't correct they can imagine that and we can convey that verbally over the phone so that was kind of the idea behind it so we we have you know like for example i'm looking at our color chart now so i'm in the yellows and we have lemon which is a pretty normal stock color that is actually just the stock lemon that comes from ours. But then we needed to go a little lighter than that. We've had many scenarios where we needed to go lighter than that. Well, on the stock chart from our manufacturers, they have primrose. And so we was like, well, we need to go a little lighter than that. And so the ladies, there's like daisies that grow up next to our building and they're white petals, but then there's like a center core of, of a daisy. And so the girls was like, hey, this reminds me of a light colored daisy. Like if the center of this was light colored, and you said light daisy, I would know exactly what that color was. And so we named light daisy. Then we, you know, we did stick to some of the ones that made sense. Like Vegas gold is kind of a, you know, everybody kind of knows what a Vegas gold is. It's an old gold, Vegas gold. So we didn't really change that one. But then in our pinks, we literally added every single pink that's on our color chart is ones we created. Our manufacturers didn't have these at all. So we like our pinks, we have light pink, which we felt was sufficient enough to say this is light pink. But then we get into the ones that's not light pink or whatever. So we go bubble gum, salmon, watermelon, and then our current favorite is rose gold. And these, these pretty much hit on every spectrum. And then where the real eye opener came is like we was picking all these colors and we go, you know, we better print these with and without an underbase. And that's when our whole world got turned upside down. And I know it, some people that, that are experienced printers are going to listen to this and be like, wow, he knows nothing about screen printing. But when we underbase these colors, that's when we all realized that like literally inks changed dramatically on an underbase. So then it changed the whole game and we had to like put the whole project on hold. 
So we got rid of like half the colors we chose because when you underbase them and when you don't underbase them, they're like so different from each other that how, how do you convey that to a customer? Oh yeah, well you go on dark shirts. If you underbase it, it doesn't look the same. How that's frustrating for a customer. So I we literally searched for colors that could be standardized and could be similar in color with or without an underbase. And a lot of that has to do with you know, what is the mix of components? Is it mostly white? Is it mostly, and you just have to play around with your color charts. Um, I, I don't suggest that, you know, people that listen to this go and copy our color charts, go and find what works for you. Because I can tell you this has revolutionized our color picking. We don't hardly ever mix a Pantone color anymore. But for the nerds out there that want to know the PMS color, we have the, the PMS color and the closest hex color. So we kind of did for the people that can see it, and then we have kind of for the, the color nerds, you know, we have that as, as well. That's kind of the start of how we created the color charts. And then like some of the names, we decided, even though we kept some of the stock colors and we're not mixing them, we decided to just change the names of those colors. So for example, Scarlet Red, we kept, but like Brick Red is ours. The color chart called out Cardinal Red. Now, I don't know what Cardinal Red is in the industry, but for us here in St. Louis, Cardinal Red is definitely not Brick Red. It's Cardinal like the St. Louis Cardinals. So we had to change that because we actually had a 100-piece tank top job, and the customer got our color chart that was on our website, and we thought she was calling out the, the, the actual like color, and she goes, I, I want these Cardinal Reds. Well, it was for like St. Louis Cardinal Red, and we chose the cardinal red in the book and it was brick and the job bounced and it caused a major issue. And so that's when we realized we have to change these names that make sense to our customers, not what makes sense to us. And so when we did that, then I just included all of my, all of my friends on Facebook and most of those, you know, people are friends or customers or, or admirers of our, of our business. And then the hard ones were like sea foam, teal, spring green, stuff like that. That was the ones that were, that were really, you know, the, the tricky colors because what is seafoam? What is mint? So that that's where it really got tricky, but we eventually just went with what was the easiest and made sense to the majority of people. And man, we love it. We send people a link. We uploaded each individual picture on our website on a mobile responsive so they can see it from their phone. We actually took and printed each of these swatches onto pieces of paper and cured them. And then we printed them on uh, cloths with and without an underbase on light and dark garments. And when they all pass the test, we change the names. We have two copies. One is customer facing copy and one is shop copy. And shop copy has, it tells them, hey, brick red is actually stock cardinal red. So then there's no confusion. It's just right there in our ink section. The guys just look and we spent some time the other day and just kind of quizzed and had fun. Our team had fun with it and they, they kind of get it. And then I took and packaged this up and I shipped it all to our outsource team. And they have like physical samples of all of these parental garments and everything. So now we don't have any issues with choosing colors. So that's, that's pretty much the story. Wow, that's great. I didn't even have to ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just talked the whole time. I hogged up all the time, didn't I, Marshall? <laughs> no, that's okay. So, well, my favorite part, and I participated in that survey, if you remember, on the butter and toast question. Actually sent yeah. you a picture of uh, <laughs> a piece of toast with some butter on it. 
and well, it matched actually, the stuff that you did. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that well, was hilarious. Is, is, uh, someone, I, I don't know if it was you or someone, they go, hey, you know, there's different types of toast. You can actually burn the toast or you can, your toaster can be set on like uh, different settings, which funny side story. It was like, I was like this, this year I found out that the gauge on the toaster is minutes, not the degree of toastiness. So anyway, it's just <laughs> funny, funny side story. But we actually went with, uh, so the, for, that was for skin tones, uh, that, yeah. that section. And that was kind of touchy because we call it skin tones. We didn't know what to call it. Call it browns. Is it browns? What is it? So we kind of went with skin tones, but we didn't actually call out like nationalities because that could be, you know, problematic. So we decided to right. call out things that weren't skin tones. And if people identified as a latte or as honey butter or khaki, that's their deal. So that's, that's kind of what we did. The, the, um, mm -hmm. the, the colors that we have for skin tones, uh, we decided to not go with toast and we went with latte. And actually that happened because my wife has her own latte machine here and uh, she made me a latte and I was, and she, I said, can you make me like two or three of these? Let's see if, what the consistent color is. And consistently it was pretty much what is now latte, which is PMS 721. Mm -hmm. It was going to be toast. But I just felt like butter and toast. Yeah, you know, it was just it was too foody, man. So and it and it also has a yellowy <laughs> tint. It, it has a. It was just like someone goes, "You guys name all your uh, all of your inks as as food food items." We we ended up going for our skin tones. We did khaki, um, is just stock khaki. But here's what's really cool. On a side note, from a production standpoint, we have a full mixing system. We have the Rio mixing system for those that are wondering. And we do it because it's simple. It's really simple. I know there's other systems that out there, but that was one that we, it's just very simple system. We matched every one of these have to have a matching Pantone color because we want to be in full control of our stock level. So we have the ability at any time to mix like 10 gallons of ink, which is tons for us at least. But we, we buy them in stock because it's cheaper by the gallon. But in the event we run out at the middle of the day, Instead of us going, oh, crap, we got to go buy a gallon of ink now, we can just go mix it and finish the job. So that's, that was also part of this. So make for sure if you're building your own color charts that you, you implement that as well because that's very, very important. Yeah, this is such a great idea. You know, um, back well, forever ago uh, when I was art an art director, you know, I standardized the palette um, you just using Pantone colors. As designers, we always want to look for something new for inspiration. But as production, it really sucks when you have to mix a different red or purple or blue just because the guy in the front office wanted to do something different. That's not cost effective. Right. And <laughs> no, um, it's not. So, you know, I was always using different. Here is a list of standard colors to use. And by the way, Kiwi Green's 375. Yeah. And so we wanted to like, you know, red is 186 and maroon is, you know, 202 or whatever, whatever we're doing. These are the colors that we're using, you know, Royal blue is 286. We didn't ever like go to what you did. And I think if I had done that, I would have probably solved a lot of heartache later because unless if you're talking with, like a like a football coach, he doesn't know what a Pantone color is, and he might make a joke about a PMS color, you know. So, um, so it's just because of you know the name, and so it's like one of these things where having 
uh, this type of thing, I think, breaks down the barrier but helps you keep control of your color all the way through the process. So I just think it's a fantastic thing, and that's why I wanted you on the on the podcast today just really to talk about it. And, and you killed it. So thanks so much for being on the show. Well, there's one last thing. I don't mean to, be, to talk about everything, but <laughs> I did leave one, th- one thing out. So right. when we're proofing this to customers, uh, when they send something and it's vector, we match it to our color charts, not and like for example, they send something that's got red and blue in it. We'll eyedropper tool and pick our closest red. That's very important. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we do that is it gets the customer when they see their mock up used to seeing the color that we're actually going to use. Now I know it can't be translated over you know a, a computer screen or a phone screen, but you know, at least that it's changed to that color and then we can communicate right. that to them. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad this was a good idea. I'm glad you think it was a good idea. It was just literally something that became necessity for us. And now we haven't, since we've implemented this, we haven't had any, not a single color issue. And we haven't had a, a job come in from our website or, you know, uh, that's, that's not a, like a specialty contract job that, that, that needed a, uh, a Pantone mix. So it's been, it's really cool. Right. Well, well, the reason I like it is because, you know, I'm a big process guy. I like standardizing processes in every aspect of the shop. And I think this really moves the ball forward for you and is going to really solve some problems. And, you know, it might create one or two, but I think it's going to solve the majority of your issues with color and especially color communication with people who aren't professional graphic designers. And, right. you know, those people, sure. they're used to Pantone colors, but, you know, Joe Schmo on the street isn't. And I think this is a really good idea. Exactly. So good job. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. So, yeah, no problem. So thanks for helping out for the podcast. Why don't you talk about your shop just for a quick minute, maybe how you can help someone that might be listening if, you know, somebody has a question. Oh, man, I'm not prepared for that, Marshall. Uh, I'll see what, I'll see if I can, I can, uh, I can help. I, I think the, I think the main thing is, is how can you standardize things that can make the process simpler? And I am almost like way too gung ho about this. Um, I probably at times drive my staff crazy, but anytime that we're just pulling something out of our rear end and just going with it and winging it, I see that as a problem because what happens if the next person comes there, we scale up or then we've got to show them what's our secret formula way of doing this. And that's not scalable. So right now that's what I'm tackling is what are things that we're doing in our business that just doesn't make sense? And when we went through the color charts, that was just an example. I mean, dude, we eliminated so many colors that I loved, but how we did it was we went through all of our orders, which this within itself, not all of our orders, but a large majority. And we just went through like a hundred per year and then pulled those out at random. And we didn't have any of them. To give an example, we don't use a lot of metallic silver ink. We just don't. And uh, the one time we did, I'm sure we did something wrong. I, I don't really need to know how to do it right. But that someone was like, I mean, when we did it, it, it washed off in like three washes. And it was more of like duct tape than it was like metallic silver. And it immediately buzz killed the customer because they were like, man, because they were like a metal company. And then they washed it. And I called the ink manufacturer. I go, hey, dude, this stuff. Oh, yeah, that, that doesn't last that long. It's just there you know, I go, well, why would we sell something that would change? And, you know, so we need to sell. So we try to sell things that 
that are standardized, that are simple, and that don't come back and create problems later. And I think if you can answer this for your shop, every every shop is different. What are you doing to standardize? We have a long way to go. um, I haven't been in very many screen print shops, so I don't know what I don't know. But I do know that the simpler we keep things, the cleaner our shop we that we keep it, the more, I, I don't know, the more standardized, more templated that we can keep things, the faster we can do things and the faster we can scale. And so that is, uh, that's the advice that I would give you if you're, if you're, if you're starting or you're medium sized shop and you're struggling with growth internally, try to standardize and then you can scale. Cause if you scale without standardization, then all that's going to happen is, is you're going to just be in the shop more and not, you know, you're going to be in there putting out more fires than you are printing orders. That's right. That's what, and I, I'm only say this from experience because I would, Hey, let's have this huge sale and we would push and run Facebook ads and Google ads and get tons and tons and tons of work in. But without standardization, we would just run around like chickens with our head cut off and it was like chaos. And so now we, we standardize and when something's not standardized, we try to ask ourselves, how can we standardize this? How can we make this the norm? And uh, oftentimes you can't because it is a custom apparel business, custom business. So only about 80% of the time can you, but it definitely helps for when you can. Well, cool. So appreciate you being on the show. Uh, you rocked it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks you and Tom for all you guys are doing for the industry. And uh, if you're not planning on going to Shirt Lab and you're listening to this, you need to wake up, smell the coffee and go to Shirt Lab. It's, 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 I'm not saying that. Marshall didn't ask me to say that. Shirt Lab is awesome. It's a really, really cool event. All right. Well, cool. Thanks. <laughs> All yeah, right. You're welcome, man. All right. So we'd love to get your feedback on your biggest sales and marketing challenge in your shop. If you'd like, just reach out to us at Tom at ShirtLabPro.com or me, Marshall at ShirtLabPro.com and send us your biggest issue. We want guys just like Jonathan to help you. So we can have a future guest tackle that topic, but we won't know it unless you send in your question. Also, don't forget to get signed up for our updates on future Shirt Lab events at shirtlabpro.com. Thanks for listening. See you guys later. All right. Goodbye, everyone, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Shirt Lab Answer Series. Don't forget to send your questions to marshall at shirtlabpro.com.